All right, we are in our final message in our Book of Daniel series. It's been an amazing study this summer as we have gone through the Book of Daniel. Next week, we're going to have Christu up here. He's going to be sharing a message that's on his heart. I'm really excited about that. And then two weeks, we begin a brand new series called Follow. And it's on what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus. But how many of you know that if we are going to follow Jesus in a Babylon-like culture, which our world is quickly becoming, it's going to be a fight. You guys know what I'm talking about? Anyone here ever been in a fight? Come on. Like a fight. Like a fight. Like a fight. Yeah, there's see. Got some of the women raising their hands. That's what I like to see. Well, there's only been one time in my entire life that I've thrown a punch. It was back when I was in seventh grade, middle school. I was studying in the library. And uh, another seventh grade boy sat down beside me. And he starts pulling on my shirt. I'm like, dude, stop. Like, what, what's going on here? Just pulling on my shirt. I'm like, stop. So he starts calling me names. Like, stop, come on. What's your problem? Well, then he starts pulling my shirt and calling me names. And so I stand up. And I get my books, and I start walking out. Well, he stands up, and he starts following me. I start walking a little faster. He starts walking a little faster. I take off running. He takes off running after me. Next thing I know, we're running as fast as we can through the halls of the school. I turn right. He turns right. I turn left. He turns left. I dodge a pole. He dodges the pole. I don't know what to do. How am I going to lose this kid? So I do the only thing that I know how to do. I'm running, and I turn around, and I stick my fist out. Funny thing is, his face ran right into my fist. (laughs) Next thing I know... I'm in the vice principal's office. Rob Albert. (laughs) Guys, sometimes in our life, we need to get tired of the enemy bullying us around. If we're going to follow Jesus Christ and be a love God in this world, and saying, no, don't do that, How many of you know it's going to be a fight? There's going to be a battle. You know, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Powerful, powerful statement. Through Jesus Christ, we can win the victory in those battles. Well, over the last few months, we've been studying the book of Daniel. And uh, we studied chapters 1 through 6. And we began to read these stories about Daniel and his friends. These are those famous stories. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel in the lion's den. Oh, it was fun. It was amazing. And then we got to chapter 7. And we're like, oh man, this isn't stories anymore. We begin to read these visions Daniel had about the future. It started to get a little crazy. In the book of Daniel, there are four visions. Today we're studying the fourth and final vision in the book of Daniel. It's Daniel chapters 10, 11, and 12. That's three chapters of scripture. I have never preached three chapters of scripture in my entire life. 
but I've been drinking lots of coffee. So buckle up, hold on, get ready. It's going to be an awesome morning. Well, in this final vision, Daniel is going to continue to show us events that are going to take place in the future, in both Daniel's day and in the years to come. It's amazing. Powerful, powerful predictions. But then he's going to describe this great conflict or this great battle that the people of God are going to face down through the ages. In other words, it's going to be a fight. And what we're going to see as we study the book of Daniel today is that there's going to be battles in heaven and there's going to be battles on earth. But guys, Jesus wins the victory. And that's the hope we have in this final vision of the book of Daniel. So if you have your Bible app, if you have your Bible, you can open up to Daniel chapter 10. But I'm going to warn you, I'm not, just going, I'm not going verse by verse. If we do that, we're going to be here till tomorrow. So I'll make sure all the verses are up on the screen for you. But do follow along if you can. Let's pray. We'll dive in. God, we're reminded today of the battles that we're going to face in life. Some of us are walking through a battle. Some of us are coming out of a battle. Lord, there's so many difficulties we face. And I just pray that as we, we come to this final vision of Daniel, God, I pray that our hearts would be encouraged. I pray that you do a work of hope and transformation in our hearts. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Daniel chapters 10, 11, and 12, the final vision. I'm just going to give you a heads up. It's going to be a fight. And the first thing I want to show you is that there are going to be battles in heaven. There are going to be battles in heaven. And whether you realize it or not, there are real spiritual battles that are taking place behind the scenes. And these spiritual battles, they are real and they are happening. And in Daniel chapter 10, Daniel gets woke to the reality of these battles in the heavens. So let's dive in. Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. So this is the great conflict awaiting the people of God. It's going to be a fight. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. And so Daniel says, it is now the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. This is an important detail. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, it was an awesome year for the people of God. The first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, was 539 B.C., Cyrus and the Persian army marched into Babylon. They conquered the city. And this is Babylon, the place where the people of God have been living in exile for 70 years. So when the Babylonians came in, it was like the Americans marching into Germany, announcing freedom. And Cyrus proclaimed a declaration of freedom, allowing all the Jews who had been captured and brought to Babylon to go back to their home in Jerusalem and to rebuild the city and the temple. So there was a ton of celebration in the first year of King Cyrus. But isn't it amazing how quickly our excitement 
can turn into discouragement. And now we're in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. Look at Daniel just a few years later. Verse 2. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. It should have been a happy time, but he's mourning. He mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat, no wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. What's Daniel doing? He is mourning. He is fasting. He is upset. He won't eat any food. No lotion. I mean, that's extreme. Not putting on any lotion. None of that. That's like every day of my life. Okay, back to that. Why is he so discouraged? It's because we know from the book of Ezra, Cyrus issues this decree. We know from the book of Ezra how few Jews actually return back home. And any effort to rebuild that city and that temple, they were quickly abandoned. So Daniel, three years in, is pretty discouraged at what's going on. And he's fasting, he's praying, he's giving up meat, wine, lotion. Verse 4, look who enters the story. This is stunning. On the 24th day, he's been praying, on the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up this vision, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. So Daniel looks up, he sees this being so bright, he's so beautiful, he can only describe it with words like gold. Fire, lightning, precious jewels, bronze. Wow, he is awestruck before this figure before him. We go, who is this man in linen? Is it an angel? Some people say, yeah, it's an angel. Or is it more than an angel? It's very interesting. Go to the New Testament. You read the book of Revelation John has a vision of Jesus, and John describes Jesus in these exact same words and language. Could it be that Daniel is having a vision of Jesus? In John, it's interesting, he has this vision, and John says, I fell at his feet as though dead. That's how powerful the vision was. Likewise, Daniel, he goes on to say, I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. So what does this mean? It means that Jesus is in the fight. Jesus is in your fight. He's with you, standing by your side. And it means Jesus is bigger than the battle you're facing today. The man in linen. Wow. Well, this hand touches Daniel. The hand touches Daniel and it strengthens him instantly takes away his fear. It's very interesting. And then I believe there is a second figure that begins to address Daniel. And this second figure begins to describe this 
battle in heaven. It's incredible. He peels back the curtain and he begins to describe the battle taking place in heaven. He says in verse 12, we jump down a little bit. He says, second figure says to Daniel, your words were heard and I've come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. This figure has been resisted by the prince of Persian kingdom. And commentators will say, who is this prince of the Persian kingdom? Commentators will say, this is a powerful demonic force who has been sent to influence the affairs of the Persian kingdom. And there is a battle taking place. This battle is so strong. It's so heated. Michael gets called in, one of the chief princes. The great angel Michael comes in and says, came to help me. Because I was detained there. Wow. It's crazy. He continues in verse 20. This figure says, Soon I'll return to the fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go, the prince of Greece will come. Here comes another spiritual force of evil. Spiritual warfare shifts from one demonic being to another. This battle in the heavens. And then he says, But first... Before I go, I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. Wow. So here we are. We're getting a little glimpse behind the scenes to another dimension of a spiritual battle that's taking place in the heavenly realms. It's not just the book of Daniel. We hear about this battle in the New Testament as well. Maybe you're familiar with Ephesians chapter 6, and I would encourage you to read that, especially if you sense that you are in this spiritual battle. Ephesians 6 says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You guys heard this one? We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Do you understand what that means? It means your battle isn't against flesh and blood. It's not always an earthly battle. It might not just be be your boss. It might not just be that relationship. It might not just be that situation you're in. That just might be only half the story. Does that make sense? See, there is a spiritual battle taking place, and we as followers of Jesus, we find ourselves caught up in these battles in heaven. And I don't know who needs to hear this today, but greater is he who is in you than he who's in the world. And Jesus is standing by your side. And he's saying, first, I will tell you what is written in the book of truth because the enemy comes with lies, accusations, distractions. But Jesus gives us truth. The truth will set you free. And Daniel gets on his knees and he prays. And that is the same way that we experience spiritual breakthrough in our lives. Same way Daniel did. There will be battles in heaven. And there are going to be times in our life where we experience real spiritual battles. Greater is he who is in us than he is in the world. Jesus is going to win the victory. Battles await. There will be battles in heaven. Number two, there will be battles on earth. How many of you remember uh, Back to the Future? Back to the Future movies? Yeah. I love. Okay, Back to the Future... One, Back to the Future 2. They're all some of my favorite movies of all time. 
In the Back to the Future series, it follows our hero, Marty McFly, and his partner in crime, Doc Brown, as they travel through time to the past, the present, and the future. Now, in Back to the Future 2, Marty and Doc travel into the future, which is 2015. Okay, we've already, you know, don't have the flying cars yet. Um, Amazon is working on the drones, so we're, we're getting there. But so he goes, Marty and Doc, they go into the future, 2015. Hoverboards, all that. And Marty goes into a shop, you remember? And he picks up Gray's Sports Almanac. And in this Sports Almanac are the scores to every major sporting event from 1950 to 2000. So he picks up that that almanac. He's like, hey, we're going back to the past. I can make some money, you know? Well, Doc goes ballistic. They're going to mess up the space-time continuum. And Doc's going to get rid of this book. But before Doc can get rid of the book, Biff, Biff, Tanner, the original bully from Back to the Future, he gets the almanac, you remember? He slips into the time machine. He goes back to visit his younger Biff self. And he hands him, in 1955, the sports almanac that has the scores to every major sporting event from 1950 to 2000. And it does mess up the space-time continuum. But I, I love this quote from Biff. He says, you see this book? You see this book? He says, and I can really see this book. This book tells the future, tells the result of every major sporting event till the end of this century. That's old Biff discussing the almanac with his younger self in 1955. What does this have to do with the book of Daniel? It's a great question. <laughs> so Daniel 11, we're going to look at in just a sec. Daniel 11 is the Gray's Sports Almanac of the Bible. And God begins to reveal to Daniel 360 years of history yet to take place. I'm talking major empires, battles, kings, marriage alliances, betrayals. It's all there in stunning, striking detail. Daniel 11 is one of the most vast and accurate chapters of prophecy in the entire Bible. It is the Gray's Sports Almanac of the Bible, and Daniel gets it. In fact, these prophecies are so striking, it's so accurate, because it happens exactly like Daniel predicted, that the critical scholars are going to say, Daniel could not have written this. He couldn't have known what was going to happen in the future to that level of detail. They will say somebody after Daniel wrote this prophecy because no man could predict the future like that. And they're right. No man could predict the future like that. God revealed it to Daniel. So we're going to take a look at this Gray Sports Almanac because this book predicts the future. And it tells us what's going to happen in days to come. You see this book, it tells the future. Well, I can't go through the whole chapter 11. Um, There are people who like go to the historical sites and they're like reading all the, you know, and they're reading all the details. And then there are other people like, yeah, that's a battle. Okay, so we got both of those in the house and we're just going to highlight a few of these scenes. Here's what Daniel predicts. Daniel predicts battles on earth. 
For the sake of time, we'll just highlight a few. And he starts by explaining what's going to happen next. This is Daniel 11, 2, if you're following along. Now then, I tell you, three more kings will arise in Persia. These are things that are going to happen after Daniel. Three more kings will arise in Persia. And then a fourth who will be far richer than all the others. And when he has gained power by his wealth, he will stir up everyone against the kingdom of Greece. Daniel has no idea what this means. He's like, okay. And guess what? Three more kings come after Daniel. Probably never heard of him. Then a fourth. And the fourth, he has a name you might recognize. His name is Xerxes, and he shows up in the book of Esther. And sure enough, just like Daniel says, Xerxes is so wealthy, he's so powerful, he decides to pick a fight against Greece, just like Daniel says. 480 BC, it's called the Battle of Salamis. By the way, Xerxes loses that battle, and it paves the way for the decline of the Persian Empire and the rise of the Greek Empire. That's what Daniel, that's what comes next, verse 3. Listen to this. Then a mighty king will arise who will rule with great power and do as he pleases. After he is risen, his empire will be broken up and parceled out towards the four winds of heaven. It will not go to his descendants, nor will it have the power he exercised, because his empire will be uprooted and given to others. Who's this mighty and powerful king? It's none other than Alexander the Great. This great and powerful king will arise. It's Alexander the Great. And if you know the story of Alexander the Great, in about 10 years, Alexander carves out one of the largest worlds, the largest empires the ancient world has ever seen. But Daniel dies young. He doesn't have any children. The empire can't go to his descendants. Whoa, how did Daniel know that? It's actually parceled out. If you know the story, the empire... Um, Alexander's empire is parceled out to four generals. One in the north, east, south, and west. It's the four winds of heaven, just like Daniel said. Stunning predictions. Well, two of those generals, two of those kings, become really powerful. They begin an all-out war with each other. And what happens for the next, in the third century and the second century is a series of wars between the kings of the north and the kings of the south, between the Seleucids in the north and the Ptolemies in the south. And they're just going back and forth. And the, the beautiful land, what Daniel calls the beautiful land, the promised land, is caught right in the middle. And it's like they're going back and forth. Battles on earth. You can read all about it. I'm not going to go through all those battles. Verses 5 through 20. Stunning predictions. Stunning accuracy of the battles between the north and the south. Get a study Bible. Read along. But I want to highlight one king who's going to rise. Um, and his name is Antiochus IV, or Antiochus Epiphanes. His story shows up in verse 31. Verse 31, his armed forces will rise up. This is Antiochus and the army that he wields. His armed forces will rise up to desecrate the temple. That's the temple in Jerusalem, the temple fortress, and will abolish daily sacrifice. And then they will set up the abomination that causes desolation. And with flattery, he will corrupt those who have violated the covenant. But the people who know their God will firmly resist him. What a beautiful statement. And so here is Antiochus Epiphanes, what we know today to be Antiochus 
Epiphanies. And in 167 BC, he begins a, a violent, aggressive, bloody persecution of the Jewish people. In fact, he outlaws all their practices. Circumcision is illegal. Possessing scriptures is illegal. He actually does exactly what was predicted by God. Back in Daniel's day, he actually shuts down the sacrifices in the temple. And then he builds an altar to Zeus. And uh, they, he ends up sacrificing a, a swine on this altar to Zeus in the temple. It's this abomination that causes desolation. It's a terrible, terrible, difficult time for the people of God. One of the great antichrist figures of the Old Testament. But I love this line. The people who know their God. Hmm. People who know their God firmly resist him. And they do. It's a great story. Daniel goes on to say, listen to this, those who are wise will instruct many. Though for a time they will fall by the sword or be burned or captured or plundered. There are places in the world today where exactly that is happening, as it did in Daniel, or in the days of Antiochus. When they fall, they will receive a little help, and many who are not sincere will join them. And some of the wise will stumble so that they may be refined, purified, and made spotless until, a t- until the time of the end. For it will still come at the appointed time. It's just this picture in Daniel chapter 11, that these battles on earth. Friends, there are going to be battles on earth. Indeed, Paul says, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, will be persecuted. It's probably not your favorite scripture. You probably don't put that on the fridge. Get a little greeting card. Hey, bless you. Indeed, Paul says, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Even today, Christians are ridiculed, mocked, laughed at by culture, just pressure, all kinds of pressure to it's not do what we do, not believe what we believe, to be so busy that we no longer practice our faith. We no longer pray, no longer go to church. There's so much of that pressure. And yet around the world, in places where Christians are persecuted, they do practice their faith at great cost to their own lives, to the lives of their families. Would we have that same courage? Those who know their God will firmly resist. How do you say yes to Jesus Christ in a world that's increasingly say, saying no? We know our God. We know who he is. We firmly resist. We are courageous. There will be battles on earth, friends. Well, these battles appear to go on, Daniel says, until the time of the end. And that brings us to verse 36 and and possibly even the end of all history. There are hints of an antichrist figure in verse 36. He will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will say unheard of things against the god of gods. He will be successful until the time of wrath is completed. There's this great figure that brings such difficulty to God's people. Antichrist figure. There's hints of a great t- tribulation, Daniel 12.1. There will be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. This is the great end described by Jesus in the book of Revelation. It's all there in Daniel. 
many years before. Jesus calls it the book of truth. And as we see many of these things happening in ancient times coming true just like God predicted, it gives a little bit of weight to what Jesus says about the future to come, doesn't it? There will be battles in heaven and battles on earth. But guys, I read the last page of the book. And guess what? Jesus wins. And Jesus wins the victory. As you go through this journey, you're going to face some battles. Some of you are facing battles right now. A lot of difficulty in this room today. I just want you to know when you fight, you're not fighting for a victory. You are fighting from a victory. Because Christ won the victory. Do you understand that? When you fight, you're not fighting for a victory. You're fighting from a victory. And Jesus describes the victory of Jesus here in Daniel 12. Daniel 12, 1. This is amazing. He's talking about the end. He's talking about the time of Jesus. At that time... Your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. What a statement of hope for the people of God after these great conflicts and battles. He says, there will be a time when everybody whose name is written in that book will be delivered. Now, Daniel didn't know who that deliverer was. He just knew that time was coming. But we know who that deliverer is, don't we? It's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the book of Revelation calls that book the Lamb's book of life. Because Jesus gave his life like a lamb as the ultimate sacrifice for our sins so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could have a brand new relationship with God and so that our names might be found in the Lamb's book of life. How does your name get found in the Lamb's book of life? Well, the fact that it's found means you didn't do it. It's something Jesus does for you when Jesus comes into your life. In fact, John says, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in the Son. And so the question is, have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Because life, eternal life, is in the Son. And when you put your trust in Jesus Christ, your name's written in that Lamb's book of life. Powerful. Christ won the victory. Daniel goes on in verse 2. It's amazing. It's a picture of the end. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Wow. Some to everlasting life others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteous like the stars forever and ever. And this is God's promise to those who believe in Jesus Christ. Just like Jesus died on a cross, he died, life left his body, he was buried, and then God raised him from the dead. This passage says that multitudes who sleep in the dust will awake. Imagine that. 
He's talking about the bodily resurrection of the dead at the end of time. And then he says, some to everlasting life. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, you get the life of Jesus, which is everlasting. And then he says, but some you see to shame. They'll be raised to shame and everlasting content. And so everybody's going to be raised. and Everybody is going to experience something for eternity. There are two kinds of people in this world. Those whose names are written in the book will rise to everlasting life. Those whose names are not written in the book will rise to everlasting shame and contempt, eternally separated from the presence of God. So the question is, where are you going to spend eternity? Those who are wise, Daniel says, and find their victory in Jesus Christ. And because of that victory in Jesus Christ, they will shine brighter and brighter, even as our world gets darker and darker. So I want to leave you with this. The ancient church, early on, after Jesus, the ancient church had this battle cry. And I believe this battle cry with all of my heart. Christus victor. It means Christ is the victor. Christ has already won. When Jesus died on that cross and said, it is finished, the battle for the ages was finished. He's already won the battle. Do you guys understand? There is no way the devil can win the war for the planet. It's impossible. Jesus already won. And we as a church get to live in that victory. And if Jesus can have victory over a cross, he can have victory in your life. He can have victory in your finances. He can have victory in your relationship problems. He can have victory in any situation you're facing in your life. I'm not talking about the absence of trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, Jesus says, I've overcome the world. He has won the victory. Christus victor. Our God is Christus victor. And I believe with all my heart that Christ can win the victory in your life if you will turn to him. I believe that. Back in the early church, early, early, those Christians were being persecuted. They used to, this is long before, you guys, you know, we cross our fingers for good luck. Like, oh, I crossed my fingers. Okay, long before we like crossed our fingers for good luck, Christians used to cross their fingers. Do you guys know this? I just learned this. This is crazy. There's actually some old pictures where it's like a guy is like, fingers crossed. They're like, that's, never, I, now I understand that. These Christians would cross their fingers. If you do that, cross your fingers, do you notice it makes a sign of a cross? Do you notice that? I never noticed that. And so these earliest Christians kind of would cross their fingers. This is crazy. As a secret code. It was a way for one Christian to, to identify another Christian when it could get you killed for being a Christian. And so they'd cross your fingers. Like, yeah, yeah. And you know what? They'd whisper. They'd do that thing. Cross their fingers. Yeah. They say, Christus Victor. It was a blessing it meant. May Christ have the victory in your life.
Christ have the victory in your life? That's my prayer today for every one of you. As we close this series, my prayer for you, my blessing for you today is, may Christ win the victory in your life. There's going to be battles in heaven. There's going to be battles on earth. But friends, Jesus won the victory. Our God is Christus victor. And through the victory of Jesus Christ, just like Daniel did, just like so many times we saw in the book of Daniel, your life is going to shine brighter and brighter, even as this world gets darker and darker. Let's pray. We'll take communion. Jesus, I just thank you for winning the victory for our lives on that cross. Thank you for the hope of eternal life. As you came and you rescued us, This cup, this bread, it's just a reminder that Jesus won the victory. So I pray for the battles that are being waged in this room today, spiritual battles, relational battles, financial battles, heartache and pain. And I just pray that each heart in this room would turn to Jesus Christ, and I pray, Jesus, you win the victory in our lives. We surrender our lives to you. Come in, Jesus. And even now, for those who don't know you, I just pray. Those who don't know you would surrender their life completely to you. Just pray this simple prayer. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Come win the victory in my life. Jesus, come, come in. He's going to write your name in the Lamb's book of life.